0: Uh, Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of James, chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 21 to 24 there, and uh, we'll read from there and then we will pray. James, chapter 1. So the scripture says, Therefore, putting away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He will be blessed in all his doing. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can come before you, that, that we can hear your word. This is one of the greatest acts of worship which you command in Scripture, is that your people hear and that they not only pay attention, but that they apply intention that they that they hear the word and as they receive it they say that is the word of God recognizing it for what it is and then saying yes I believe that it is good I believe that it is God's will and I believe that I ought to obey it and therefore I will and so we pray father at the start of a of a new year Nothing really dramatically changed last night, except that we completed another trip around the sun. But as we begin a new year, I pray that we would mark this off as an opportunity to begin again afresh, as we ought to every time we hear your word, and to apply our intention to obey, to say, yes to the good which you are bringing to us we don't we don't come seeking the the mystery of unlocking your approval or your affection because we know as taught from the scripture that all the blessings which you have for us are in christ and we come to him by faith and say i need a savior i need to be delivered from my sins and you're good You're not stingy with your blessing. You say yes to whoever asks. But then Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And so we come, Lord, thankful for the clean slate and the fresh opportunity that you've given to us. And we say, teach us to walk by faith. Teach us to keep close with you and to walk in step with you. To leave behind those destructive behaviors and and bad patterns in our lives. And to walk in a way that's consistent with your commands. In a way that, that brings joy to your heart. As you look to us, you say, those are my children. We pray that we would be a delight to you. And so we pray that we would hear your word and we would be faithful to walk in it. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As we start a new year, uh, many, many of us uh, have resolve inside to, to do better. How many people made a New Year's resolution? Okay, wait, let's do that again. Let's just, because maybe, maybe you didn't, maybe you were like, was he saying, did I make a New Year's resolution? How many of you made a resolution? Wow, okay. Four of us. Okay. Um, man. Were, you, were, were there any of you on Facebook or reading the newspaper, like, didn't you get the memo? This is what we do. Um, okay, maybe you didn't make a resolution because, you know, you're cynical and jaded and think, like, they will fail. But, but we resolve in a new year that we're, we're going on some level or in some way to do better, right? You know, that last year's patterns will, will change or will improve. Um, The good news of of the Christian life is that we don't need to do better in order to have access to God. We don't don't need to measure up to some kind of standard in order to to be right with him and and by him. That comes from Christ. The Lord Jesus came. He, He lived a perfect life. He fulfilled the demands of the law for us. He, he went to the cross taking sin upon himself and he was, he was crushed on that cross to take the penalty for us. And that means the penalty has been paid, right? I had some uh, telemarketer type person from some uh, medical company call me and say, Uh, oh, you know, you owe us $341. And I was like, what? And they said, I said, that number sounds vaguely familiar to a bill that I have already paid. And it was like, no, you couldn't have possibly paid it. We'll take your credit card right now. And I was like, "Nah, call me back in an hour. And uh, so, so I managed to get on my computer and to call up the, uh, the account where I pay all my medical bills from, and I was like, look, it is right there, $341.25. And so when the lady called back, I said, where do I send this receipt to? Because I have paid this already. You can't make me pay again, right? That's the way it is with Jesus and our sin. He has paid for it. You are no longer guilty of it you are freed from it. Now, there may be some effects in your life. There may be some fallout. There may be some difficult circumstances. But in terms of God's attitude toward you, you and he are good. And so when we resolve and we say, I am going to do better, it's not to earn his affection so he'll be a little less angry about our sin. He's not angry at all anymore. We're forgiven. Instead, we say, by his grace and for his glory, we're going to live out of the abundance of of our enjoyment and satisfaction and delight in God. And so we resolve to do better. Maybe it's to do better in terms of our health, right? I'm going to eat less crazy, because December sometimes is crazy. I'm like, I had seven cookies Last hour that's not good for me you know I'm like why am I twitching are you eating endless chocolate and candy that's out at holiday gatherings yes I am that is the problem so we're gonna do better in terms of, of how we're eating maybe you're gonna do better in terms of your of your finances that that you're gonna you're gonna ratchet down you know Christmas is a little crazy right now you need to need to figure out how you're gonna how you're going to pay all that off, or how you're going to save for retirement, or how you're going to save for college. Um, Here's some advice from uh, noted theologian Steve Martin. He says, here's how to make a million dollars and not pay taxes. Step one is get a million dollars. Step two is don't pay taxes. Now that's bad advice. Right? But, But the, I, I have three suggestions which I think are good advice for for how to how to see good stewardship happen. Step one is to reduce waste. Reduce waste. Step two, value the, the bits. Step three, use money wisely. Okay? Let me say that again. Reduce waste, value the, the bits. And then use the money wisely. Okay? These same principles apply to our spiritual stewardship when we hear God's word. We're we're called to be stewards of, of God's word. And that's not just the pastor's job, it's the job of every Christian, everyone, everyone who who receives the message of Christ is called to be a steward of the, of the good things of God. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. It is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. And so if you've been entrusted with the responsibility to care for something, then, then you need to, to care for it well. Well, In in the book of James, in in this section, what we're reading and seeing over and over again is a divine perspective on who we are and how we're supposed to live. So, uh, God's view. James says in verse 2, "'Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds.'" "'Count it all joy, are you crazy? Trials are painful and difficult.'" Yes, that's true from a human perspective. But from God's perspective, he is is working in our lives. James says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. A trial is an opportunity to say, I am beyond my own resources to deal with here. I must depend on God. And that's exactly what God wants of us in trial. We're to look at everything that is given to us as a good gift. Because the scriptures say every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. Good comes from God. So so that's just a a microcosm of, of God's perspective applied to our circumstances. And that's what that's what James is doing. He's saying have God's perspective on on your life. Have a divine perspective. And so when we when we look at God's word and we consider the, the receiving of God's word, the hearing of God's word and a, a new year, we think, how does God want us to treat this? What's his perspective on things? He speaks to us through James, and he teaches us how to be a good steward of his word. Okay, so let's, let's lay out those three principles one by one and see what James has to say about them. First principle is, is reduce waste, right? Want to be a good steward? Reduce waste. Look at what, what James says in verse 21. He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Put away all those things which are a waste. Uh, when you when you considering uh, being a good steward of your home finances, what do you do? You reduce your extra charges, right? Do you have line insurance on your phone? If that is, that's nothing. Do you have a home phone? Do you have a home phone? Like I, I we we've become a modern mobile home, a mobile phone family. We lived in a mobile home. We're not a mobile home family now. No. We we're a mobile phone family. Like, we have this home phone, but but the cable company gave it to us. I'm like, shut it off. They said, well, if you, we shut it off, your, your bill will increase. But there are some people who've got mobile phones and a home phone. And I'm like, that's crazy. And some of them pay for line insurance. Some people pay for things like credit monitoring, right? You know? Um, you might you might be paying a lot of money for all kinds of things that you don't really need. If you want to be a good steward, you say, let's get rid of that. Let's avoid incurring interest. Let's avoid uh, uh, late charges. So we're putting all that away so that it's not pulling from our regular resources, right? We eliminate waste. We're to do the same with those things which are inconsistent with God's character when it comes to our behavior. We're to put them aside. Uh, the, the word for, for putting away here is, is one that's used in other places in Greek literature for stripping off clothing, right? There are times when, this is mostly when when the three boys were young, not so much with Hank anymore, when, when they would come to the, to the back door after they'd be playing and they were so dirty or <laughs> dusty that my wife would say, Strip now, right? And they would they would just leave all their clothes right there on the back step, you know? They're, they're ready and the, in, in view of the entire world. Like just leave that stuff behind, go right into the tub, right? We had a, a big bucket too, the kind that you'd throw like 28 cans of soda in and, and ice, you know? And every now and again, we'd fill that thing up with a hose and the kids would bathe right outside in the backyard. Like do not even come in here. That's what we're supposed to do with those things which defile us. We're to put them away, to to strip them off. Psalm 23.3 asks this question, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? We're talking about entering into a, a consistent life of worship where we're making the most of hearing directly from God. Who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who will stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. When we hear the word, we're supposed to respond to what we're hearing with steps and intents of faith and hope and love and to say yes to the good things which God is, is speaking to us. But but there are things, these behaviors, these wickednesses and filthiness is which crud up or clog our ability to hear, right? When you've got young boys who are under the age of 10, so present company excluded, I'm not talking about them, there are occasions where you will look into their ears and you are like, how can you hear anything? Like, what is going on in there? And You just need to dig in there with a washcloth, you know, and and, and clear that out. Sin clogs our spiritual ears. It, 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 it builds up, and we need to be regularly attending to that. The president of the university that I went to in South Carolina where I got my, my master's degree, uh, George Murray, he had a plaque in his office, uh, very small, obviously made by maybe one of his children or, or, or somebody, but you know, done by hand, and uh so you know not 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 ultra high quality but he kept it for some sentimental value and it said luke 1732 on it and i thought i don't think that's an ultra famous bible verse i don't know what that is and so i'm standing there flipping and and looking and he cut me off and he said it's luke 1732 is is very short it says remember lot's wife Remember Lot's wife. What, is, what, is that, what does that mean? The the idea is is that she allowed her desire for comfort and stability and to be in the big city to distract her from the fact that she was part of a family that was to receive the blessing of God. And and rather than be able to leave. Sodom behind, she, she kept on looking back. She looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt, right? Her desire for, for the ways of the world and for sinful things ultimately struck her dead. And so James says to put away filthiness and also to put away rampant wickedness. The, uh, the word wickedness here is used in other places to describe tangled Undergrowth. Have you ever been walking through the woods and there's those those little thorns or or just the kind of wild branches that grow everywhere that like as you're walking through them you you're just kind of tripping over and over again. That's that's the idea here. We're to cut that away, right? If you if you have the unfortunate experience of of carrying a child to bed, right, and they play with Legos. And you step on those Legos in the dark, right? And they are piercing like, like stalactites or needles into your feet, right? The the wrong thing to do is to be like, oh, woe is me, you know, the horror, right? If the kid's already asleep, right, you, you flip on the light and you clean that stuff up and you spare yourself that experience another time. Those Legos hurt. There's a video on the internet. Of of some guy and he's like run the internet is full of so much incredibly inane like goofy things but there are some things you're just like oh I know I know that there's a a treadmill and the guy is running on it with his bare feet and somebody's throwing Legos on it you know and he's like ah 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 <laughs> we're to we're to to start with the thing that's right in front of us and to say what is. What is interfering with my Christian life? What's slowing me down? What's tripping me up? How do I, how do I clear out the, the wickedness? Hosea ten twelve. sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. I believe that there is a goodness of God, which is regularly active in our life, which which many times we can't access simply because we are overwhelmed, stopped up, clogged by either wickedness or filthiness. We, we miss an opportunity to be a blessing to someone because of a, a self-centered attitude, right? We, we miss the opportunity to speak a word of grace to someone because we've spent more time absorbed in our own things and we've given no time to God's word we've, we've allowed sin to distort our character or our perspective and this is the good news is that is that when, when we wander far from God when we turn around in faith and say I want to come back we find he's right there with us so, so we, we throw away that which is, is taking us away from him. James calls for extreme behavior here. He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and all rampant wickedness. And so God calls us to confess our sins and to leave them behind. Some theologians say that the, the root of the word confess is to agree with. And that we're not just We're not just saying, oh, okay, I'll stop doing this because you say. But instead, we're supposed to think and ponder and to say, yes, God, I understand why this is wrong and sinful, and I'm going to leave it behind. I agree with you that this is wrong. I agree with you that that you love me, and therefore you say, leave this behavior behind. That you love me, and therefore you say, live in this way. And so I agree that this is for my good. good news of the gospel is that God reveals sin to us. He convicts of sin so that he can take our sin. He can rob our sin from us. He is willing to do that if we come to him in faith. And because Jesus went to the cross and paid for our sin, we can be free from them. And so the encouragement is in your life as you're you're considering making the most of 2017 and hearing and knowing the word Agree with God about what it is that the Holy Spirit is pressing in on you about your sin. Wash up. Eliminate the waste that's that's reducing your ability to hear God's word and to embrace it. Second bit of advice then. First, reduce waste. Second, value the bits. All right? I'm hoping in my extremely... Uh, witty creativity you're like what does that mean but maybe you're like yeah we already know what that means um value the bits this is what what james says so we we put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness second we receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls value the bits i am an unashamed penny picker-upper my friend Bill in college, he always used to say that he viewed pennies as a means of canceling out pennies, right? You know, that if that he would keep some pennies in his pocket so that if something came to 99 cents, you know, he could, he, I, don't, I never was able to figure this out math-wise, like how this works, but he would like give pennies to cancel out pennies. You know how this works. You're like, yes, I understand. Um, he, would, he would only keep pennies around so he couldn't get more pennies. It's interesting. Bill's wife, Natalie, said to us one time, she said, pennies are useless. Like, what do you do with them? And I said, I throw them in the, the hopper on uh, the New Jersey Turnpike. Now, you know, if, if you pay cash for tolls and don't parkway and you don't have a, an easy pass, there, there were these giant baskets where you would throw money. And uh, Natalie says to me, no, no, you can't throw pennies on the, on the parkway. I said, oh, yes, you can. And she said, there's a sign that says no pennies. I said, no, no, no. It says, please, no pennies. Because the little machine counts every coin. It's like click, click, click. And the toll then was like 35 cents, 45 cents. And I would count them all out, you know, and maybe throw two or three extras in there. But I'd throw them, I'd like have them in bags or cups or whatever. I don't know what I'd do, but I'd chuck them in there you know, and uh, and you'd hear it, click, 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 click. Listen, 35 pennies is worth just as much as a quarter and a dime. They're just, a, the, the dime and the quarter are a little more portable and manageable, right? There's value in that individual penny. I have I have done an experiment. It takes about two seconds to pick up one penny. That's in 60 seconds, you can pick up 30 of them, 30 cents. In 60 minutes, that's like $18, right? Do you make more than $18 an hour? Then, then don't pick up a penny when you see it. This is the power, the power of, you are not buying what I am selling right now. <laughs> this is the, listen, this is the power of pennies, okay? If you take one penny, And you join it to 999 billion, 999 million, 999,999 of his friends, you have a trillion dollars. Right? But you're just walking by the pennies. You're just leaving them there. It's, it's on the floor at Dunkin' Donuts, right? Right there in front of the, the cash register, the girl is standing there ordering her coffee, and it is right there by her foot, and you don't have the guts to get up and go get it once she leaves. You don't. It's because you don't value the bit. Now listen. The Bible is an amazing treasure, and so often what we do is we say oh well here's the verse that i go to when i'm fearful or here's here's the psalm that i read when i want to know god's love in the midst of a time of trial or or here's the the verse that i hang on to because it it, it identifies why I do this particular thing or I don't do that. And we, we view the Bible as this collection of individual verses instead of saying everything in there is valuable. They're all useful. Now, now they're not all immediately useful. You know, you might hear some random verse and be like, what does that mean? You know, or you come to church and and you hear a sermon, and you're like, I didn't need that today, right? You know, I really needed a message about this topic or about that topic. But this is this is the thing: you can you can either store it up, or you can decide whether or not you're going to eat it right now. You know what I mean? You're gonna you're gonna take the word. You're like, yeah, I didn't. I don't. I'm, it's not really relevant to me right now. Chuck, you need you should hold on to that valuable right it's it's like that 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 one lone penny that you discriminate against almost all of you you're all laughing at me for my <laughs> penny-pinching ways there are a little lonely bible verses how many of us know that, that, that the word of God, right, Hebrews 4.12, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We're like, that's one of those verses. This, this tells me the Bible is God's word. It's true, but it's got some lonely friends, lonely neighbors. Hebrews 4.11, you know that? You know Hebrews 4:13, I confess. If you were like Hebrews 4:12, I'd be like the word of God is living and active and I I'd, I I'd, I'd try to try to, you know, either call it up or fake my way through it, you know. Hebrews 4:11 says this, "Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, Oh, the word has a community value that we say, hey, everybody, let's keep going in the same direction and and make it to the end and enter God's rest. Let's live engaged Christian lives. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, discerning thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word now is not just the the living word of God, but now it has a soul-searching purpose that I'm to use within my Christian community to make sure that brothers and sisters make it to their rest in God's presence and that they're not falling short in terms of disobedience. The writer of Hebrews continues, he says, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to to whom we must give account. Man, you know, the Bible has got value in a single verse, just like a single penny, but when you start to add it all up and take it in and to wrap your whole life around it, it becomes more and more and more valuable. That lone penny sitting there on the floor, all joking aside is worth something but it's not worth anything if you don't have it in your hand the same is true of god's word there is enormous power there but just carrying this book or having it on your phone which is no sin i'm not just if you're like i don't carry a paper bible you know i have it on my phone that's good i have it on my phone and i carry a paper bible kidding no it's good it doesn't matter where it is if it's not in you got to be bringing it in it builds our faith romans 10 17 faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of christ God's word never fails. Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. It will accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So let me challenge you at the beginning of 2017. We're not three days in. Today's the very first day of the year. Let me ask you, do you have a, a plan to absorb the Bible? Three things I think are essential. A time, a place, and a plan. Now I got to jump on all of you. Some of you noticed last night I posted on Facebook. This is my plan for 2017. Boom, there it is. But it's it's on my phone. I make sure that it's in every single place that I'm at. I get it on my computer, in my email. You know, I know my plan. I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna print it out today. You know, I know what what I'm gonna read each day and where. Do you have a plan? Do you have a place? Do you have a time set? Do you have a cha- translation that you can read? Are you, are you ready to absorb? Now, you don't need to read through the Bible in a year. In fact, I think for some people, it's just too much material. You're not focused on, on, on application of the word. It's just material absorption. And what have you done at the end of the year if you've read through it in a year and you don't know what you're reading? You're just speed reading, right? Speed reading for accomplishments. Not what God wants. He wants you to spend time and to hear and to, to speak to you. So, so just read it for the sake of reading it, but but be intentional about it and work through it. Have a plan. Pick a, pick a place and pick a time and be there. Memorize the Bible. You can do this, right? You memorize all kinds of information that, that you don't readily right? Need to call up in in your mind. Now, phones are advancing and so, you know, you no longer, if you've got a new phone, need to punch your ID code, right? You still need your ID code at the ATM. And you remember it because it's important to you. You probably know your spouse's phone number, even if it's programmed into your phone. Because there are times when someone will say, what's so-and-so's number? And you tell them. Or you remember your own number, right? Because it's important. If somebody's like, what's your phone number? You want to tell them. It is nothing but a random jumble of numbers. You remember it because it's important. God's word is important. Amen. It's important. It is It is. Uh, a source of, of hope and joy in the midst of trial and difficulty. It's a reminder of responsibility and, and, and it, it's a way of, of uh, bringing uh, uh, focus when we're in the midst of, of incredible difficulty. And so having it ready to be called up at a moment's notice by the Spirit is of intense value. So get the word in. Pray the Bible as you read and you think like, oh, my family needs this. I'm going to pray this for my children. Pray the scriptures. Scriptures have a way of correcting all of our weird notions about everything. Right. I pray that my children will be perfect. Hasn't happened to me yet. (laughs) Right. I, I mean, I, I'm not perfect pray that my children would, would experience conviction of sin and follow the Lord, and I'm thankful when it happens. That's realistic. It's written there in scriptures. It's my prayer that your love would abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and be blameless and pure at the coming of Christ. Now, I don't know where that is. I'm pretty sure it's in Philippians chapter 1 somewhere. But I know the verse. Pray it for my kids, because it's in my heart. Pray the Bible. I'd also encourage you to write the Bible. You can get these cute little plans on Pinterest, flowers and pumpkins and you know, but they just assign you a passage every day. I get because I get, I'm not into flowers and pumpkins. I get a, I get a, a, a note from you version, the Bible app every single day, and I write the verse of the day every day. It is always valuable always valuable. Um, There's something about picking up each word and putting it down on the page that makes you stop and say what is God saying here? That makes you pay attention which is the first step of hearing paying attention. So value the bits. Pray for a biblical understanding and then seek to absorb as much as you can each and every day. Listen, read with a discerning mind, believe it, and then try to figure out how to put it into practice. That's the third step. Wisely use. James says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Right? Your money, let's talk finances just for a second, is not given to you for you to put into some giant, jumbled pile of anxiety, right? I must protect my pile, right? That's what Smaug. The dragon and every other villain in uh, modern literary history does, right? You know, Scrooge McDuck puts his money in the giant vault and then like swims in it, right? Me gold, me that's Mr. Krabs. Me me first dollar, you know. This SpongeBob, come on. Um, Money is there to use. It's given to us as stewards. That that we might use it to accomplish things. Jesus says that those who are uh, that those who are wise use the unrighteous mammon of the world to win friends in eternity. And so we're to use our funds well, to spend them well, to translate what is given to us as a as a resource into action. The same is true of God's word. Listening to it, absorbing it, does not make us believers. It's like the first step is listening, right? The first step in baking anything is mixing the ingredients, right? But having mixed the ingredients, you cannot just leave them on the counter and everybody kind of walk through and be like, oh, cookies, no, after it's mixed, that's step one, you put it in the oven. The analogy breaks down here because then you've got to take them out of the oven and then you've got to make them pretty and ice them, right? You've know, you got to do all that stuff if you're, if you're making Christmas cookies. But listening does not make us believers. Attendance in church and reading on your own and, and hearing, these are good, but they're just step one, and step one is not enough. We not only need to hear the word, but we need to apply our will and intend to act on it. So attention and intention, and then action. The example that James uses here is a vivid one. Have you ever wondered where Jesus got all his analogies from? He, he uses all these brilliant analogies when he preaches and he teaches, and and um, you know, so like God clothing the flowers of the field. Think about that, like putting little outfits on them, you know? That's vivid. James does the same thing. I'm thinking it's either Joseph or Mary who had this ability, who taught the kids. Anyway, um, James uses this vivid analogy, and he says, he says that one, one who's a hearer of the word and not a doer is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror and once he looks at himself, he goes away. That means he did nothing, right? You would you would be like, What is wrong with you if I did that this morning and, and came yesterday when I woke up, you know what? I was I was sitting there, I'm on vacation, you know, like just kind of chilling, waking up a little bit late, and I and I opened my eye and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I'm gonna open and close my eye like seven or eight more times because my, my one or six or ten or whatever eyelashes were like stuck and my eye wasn't opening fully, and so I was like, I wonder how many times I can open and close my eye until this pulls free. Then I go in the bathroom, and I look, and I've got, like, you know, this chicken hair thing going on. When I sleep on my hair, you know, this this part that I'm combing over with all my loss here, you know, it, it stands up, because it's longer. But if I was, like, looking good, out into the world, right, I have... I, I, I don't, I've not fulfilled the purpose of the mirror. <laughs> Does that make sense? Why look at all? The same is, is true with us. We're to, we're to look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the law that comes into our lives. Jesus says, This is the way. I have freed you from failure, I have absolved all of your sins. Now run in the way of my commandments. We, ca- we can't fail. We put our faith and trust in Christ to deal with our sin, and then we go and we live the way God's called us to. We're to look into the mirror and to say, okay, what do I now change? What do I engage? What do I embrace in my life? By God's grace, for his glory, and for my joy. God's given us a perfect law, and that's to love God to love man, that's the great commandment, and to make disciples. So is that what we are actually about? Are we being good stewards of that? Are we, are we looking at the people in our lives and saying, how do I love this person as a reflection of my love for God? And am I making disciples? So as you're reading, always ask the question, how does this apply to me and what can I do to put it into action? It's easier to ask, what new information have I learned? That's a trap. Just to ask what I've learned that's new. Always go a step beyond and say, how does this apply to not others, but to me? How does this apply to me? How does it make me a better steward of the word? I've been entrusted with this precious gift. How do I use it to glorify God and to make a difference in this world? By his grace, for his glory, and for my joy. How can you be the best steward of the word? Three practices. Reduce waste. Value the bits. Consider the penny thing, by the way we close, seriously. And then third, make wise use of what you've been given. As we close this morning, I just, I want you, as, as we gather to come and sing this final closing song, I want to challenge you to ask yourself if, if you need to intend today to change something as we sing this closing song. There you go. Um, is anybody else coming? Oh, good. Okay. Um, there we go. Uh, as we sing this closing song, just uh, just ask yourself: Is there something that that you need to do different? That that is there a way that you can absorb more of God's word? Is there a way that you can challenge yourself to know more so that, that you can walk in greater fellowship with God? What will be different at the end of 2017 spiritually for you? If you, if you fail to plan, they say you, fail, you plan to fail. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. And we pray, Lord, that, that we, would, we would be careful to avoid allowing the devil to substitute the law for your grace. If any walk away from here thinking... I must read the word or I am not good. And the devil wins. Instead, we ought to say, God has been kind and good to me and therefore I want to draw nearer to him in his word and for joy, I long to read it, to increase my joy, to increase the the knowledge of God in the world, and to run in the way of his commandments. So, Father, I pray that you would rob everyone of false conviction, but that you would fill them with the desire to honor you in their time. Father, I pray that that you would help each who desires to know more of your word to apply themselves to it. And Father, I pray if there's anyone sitting here this morning who does not know Jesus personally, who does not have the assurance that their sins are forgiven them, that they would put their faith and trust in him and then tell someone else about it. Father, we thank you for your grace and kindness toward us. We pray your blessing on us as your people as we go from this place. May you be pleased with the worship that we offer you as we live out our lives this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.